This morning is going to be our final message out of the story of Jonah, and uh, going to look at it for just a couple of moments. And I probably shouldn't say this as I get into the message, but I'm going to say it anyway. Uh, this morning's message is kind of a different kind for me, a different style for me, and it's not what I'm most comfortable with, but it's what I feel like we're supposed to do this morning, and so I trust that you will be gracious, and uh, if you are blessed by it, fantastic, and if you say, well, that was different, I trust that you'll be gracious and say, ah, well, he knew it wasn't any good anyway. All right, so just bear with me as we go through this. Now, this morning I want to begin with a thought, uh, just a, a quick story that I'm sure some of you can relate to because of different times in your life. But uh, this past Monday, uh, Leah or Hannah had a uh, doctor's appointment over in Amarillo, and because I take Mondays off and Susie was teaching, uh, it was my privilege to get to take Hannah to the doctor, okay? And so I knew that we'd have about an hour drive over there, of course, and an hour back, and I knew that uh, we'd have plenty of time to visit and to discuss things. And, you know, there's not a lot going on in her life that I felt was urgent that I needed to address and to take care of. And so I decided I was just going to let the conversation flow however it went. That was going to be fine. I was going to be okay with it. And any time a man has a conversation with a woman of any age, it's going to go places that you would not just naturally expect it, correct? Okay, some of you men are scared to even respond to that, but it's true. When a man is having a conversation with a woman and the man lets the woman just dictate the conversation and the flow of it, uh, it's going to go places you wouldn't expect it to go, and such is the case with the 15-year-old young lady. And so she and I were talking, and whatever popped into our heads, that's what we talked about. And at some point in the conversation on the way home, we began to talk about movies. And we began to talk about her love, and not just her love, but Susie and Leah's as well, their love for Hallmark movies. As she began to express her love for Hallmark movies, I reminded her of my disdain for Hallmark movies. There are many things in life I would rather engage in than to sit down and watch a Hallmark movie. They are so predictable, they are so obvious, they are so pathetic in so many regards. I just, I cannot stand a Hallmark movie. And she knew that and she rolled her eyes at me. She squeezed my hand a couple of times like I was a moron. But nonetheless, I stood my ground and I said, I don't like Hallmark movies at all. Now, she said, so what are some of your favorite movies, Dad? Dad, what are some movies that you like? And so I began to list a couple of movies that I liked, and she had no idea what I was talking about. I said, Hoosiers is a good movie. She said, what? Hoosiers, it's a basketball movie. You know, it, it just, it, just, just trust me, it was a really good movie. I said, there's a movie called The Untouchables. Now, that was a really good movie. She said, I've never heard of that one. I thought, yeah, I know you haven't. And uh, I said, you know, I really liked Remember the Titans, the football movie, and she was aware of that one. I enjoyed this, this movie that came out, I guess, in the last year called McFarland USA. I thought that was a really good movie and, and had a good story to it and a good theme to it. And, and uh, I, I threw in one that maybe she wasn't expecting. I said, man, I love Cars, you know, that animated Pixar movie. I said, I love Cars. And, and, and she just kind of looked at me. And I said, oh, I do. And then she said, what about Rocky movies? And I said, oh, man, forgot about Rocky movies. I love Rocky movies. And so we're sitting there talking about the movies that she likes, and she's talking about the movies I like. And, and, and that's kind of what I like if I'm going to watch a movie. I, I, I like them 
like that, whatever that would be. And, and you may say, well, I don't really care for the sports movies. I'm more into this. I'm more into this. But I want us to think about something for just a moment. Why do we like the movies or the shows that we like? And you may say, well, I'm not a movie guy at all. I understand, but, but there are some movies out there that, that got your attention at some point. And, and to this day, you could still sit down and watch it again, and you would enjoy it. So what is it about that movie that you like? Well, for most of us, it would revolve around this kind of thought or this kind of an idea I just like the storyline. I, I liked how the story began, and I like how the story flowed. I, I just I liked the storyline. I liked the subject. I liked the content of it. I, I, I liked the underdog winning the, the championship. I, I liked seeing this team come together and, and really form good relationships that would last for the rest of their lives. I really liked seeing the, the victor here. Whatever it may be, we enjoyed the storyline, and, and that's why we liked the movie, but but there's something else about a movie that makes us like it, whether we've ever really thought about it or not, and that is this. The reason we like so many of the movies that we like is because of the way the movie ended. Think about this. If you know what the movie Hoosiers is, if you know what that movie is about, you know how it's about the small-town America basketball team that eventually wins the championship. Can you imagine if you had watched the entire movie only to see them get drummed in, in the last scene? You know, I mean, they just got absolutely annihilated in, in the last scene. Well, we would look at that and we'd say, well, that's not how I expected the movie to end. And if I don't like the way the movie ends, then, then I don't like the movie because here's what I want. I want my team to win. I want my person to win. I, I want this to take place. I want this to happen. And so if you think about it, we, we cannot deny that in our minds what makes a good movie is not just a good storyline, but also we like how it ends. We want it to end a certain way. And when that's how it ends, that's the icing on the cake, that's the cherry on the top, we say, now that is a good movie. That is a good story. Now this morning we know the, the story of Jonah, do we not? We know how it begins. Here is Jonah, and he is obviously a prophet. He is obviously someone that God felt he could use to be a mouthpiece and to be a messenger for him. And so as we began the story of Jonah, what do we have? We have God calling Jonah to go to the people, to the city of Nineveh, and to begin preaching a message of judgment, all right? So that's how the story begins. That's how the, the story is introduced to us. And this is what I want you to do. And immediately, what do we see Jonah do? We immediately see Jonah rebel against God's will and God's word for his life. And so what does Jonah do? He begins to flee from the presence of the Lord. Jonah truly thought that he could run from God's will in his life. And he thought that he might be able to run fast enough or run far enough to a place where God would not find him, where God would not see him, where maybe he could get away from God's will in his life. And certainly, if you think of this from a, from a story standpoint, that begins to add some drama to the story, does it not? Here is a man who has chosen to run from God. Those of us who are outsiders looking in, we know, oh man, that's not going to go well for you, Jonah. Can't wait to see how this begins to turn and how this begins to, to take shape in your life. And we know how it began to turn and we know how it began to take shape in his life because as Jonah boarded that ship and he began to make his way to the city of Tarshish, what happened? Well, we know that God sent a storm into the life of Jonah. And it was not just for him, but it was for everyone who was on the boat. It was every, for everyone who was on the ship. And, and the 
mariners were scared and they began to cry out to their gods and they began to throw the, 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 the cargo overboard and they were doing everything they could to save their lives. And what does Jonah do? Jonah steps up and he says, listen, I know what the problem is. I know what the solution is. You need to throw me overboard. Well, we know that that's not what the mariners were wanting to do. That's not what they were excited about doing. So what did they do? The scripture says they continued working and they continued rowing and they continued doing everything they could to bring the ship to some place of safety. But yet when they discovered that it was impossible to do, they finally resorted to what Jonah said and they threw him overboard. Now again, from the story aspect of it, from the storyline, humanly speaking, and the mariners as well thought, surely this would be the end of Jonah's life. But what happened? Well, God prepared a great fish. And that fish was ready to swallow Jonah, and that is exactly what happened. The, the well swallowed Jonah, and for three days, that was the position and the condition that Jonah was in. It took three days for Jonah to get sick of that state of his life. It took Jonah three days of, uh, of that miserable, awful position before he cried out to God and began to repent and to make things right. But as a result of doing so, we know what happened next in this storyline. God allowed or God commanded the fish to vomit Jonah up. And that's exactly what the well did. Vomited him up on dry land. It had to have been fascinating. I mean, think about that. And I know I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but think about that. Can you imagine, first of all, the process of being swallowed by a well, but second, being vomited up from that well? I mean, that's a story that Jonah could have told, and nobody would have believed him. It's something that he would have said, you'll never believe this, and trust me, I know you won't because I've said this to many people, and they didn't believe me. And sure enough, the next group, they wouldn't have believed him. But imagine for just a moment if that had been caught on film somehow, if somehow that had been recorded for us to watch. I mean, we would have looked at that over and over and over again. It would have received all sorts of views, would it not, if it would have happened today and had been recorded? I mean, it would have been an Internet sensation. Okay, so it would have been fascinating. It would have been amazing. It would have been intriguing to watch. And so here's Jonah, and he begins, or he's gotten his heart right with God now. And so what does he do as the story continues? He enters into the land of Nineveh, to the city of Nineveh, and he begins preaching the simple message of God's judgment, of God's wrath. And as Jonah is expecting the, the, the people to be judged because that is the message that is being preached, what happens? Well, we know that the city of Nineveh begins to repent, and the king from, from him down to the lowest level of people in society in that day. They all began to repent and they began to make things right. And from a spiritual perspective, that should be exciting to us. That should be thrilling to us. We should read that portion of the scripture and see God's grace and see God's mercy and, and God's patience with the people of Nineveh. We should look at that and say, that is an exciting part of the story because it is an amazing aspect of the story of Jonah. But then last week we watched him as Jonah sat outside of town, just hoping, just hoping, just hoping that Nineveh would be destroyed. We watched as Jonah got excited about a gourd and angry that God did not judge Nineveh. We began to watch this conversation take place between God and Jonah and, and God saying things like this, Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the gourd? 
I mean, Jonah, do you really think this is the best position to be in? Jonah, do you think you are in a good spiritual condition to be in, that you would be angry that the Lord died? And in verse number 9, what did Jonah say? Jonah said, I do well to be angry even unto death. God, my anger is justified. And God, the fact that I would desire to die right now, that too is justified. God, I want you to know my attitude and my heart and my spirit right now is exactly fine. It is perfectly fine. Well, we know it wasn't, but, but nonetheless, that was Jonah's response. So in verse number 10, it says, Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd for which thou hast not labored, neither made it, madest it to grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. Now, as we finish chapter 10, you can obviously see that there's only one verse left. So we've got one verse in, in which to wrap up this story. We've got one verse in which to, to bring all of this to a conclusion. It's like watching a movie, knowing that it's only got a couple of moments to finish everything up, to tie it all together. Okay, we've got one verse now to bring everything to a close. And if you think about the Old Testament, I want us to think about this. Scripture is pretty good at giving us a record of people and their lives and how their lives played out and how their lives ended. I mean, if you want to know how Joseph died, just read the story and it'll tell you how Joseph died. If you want to know what happened to David, the story will tell you what happened to David. If you want to know about Solomon, it'll tell you about Solomon. You want to know about the kings, it'll tell you about the kings. You want to know about Elijah or Elisha, the scripture will tell you what happened to Elijah and Elisha. But it is amazing to me that when you come to verse number 11, it says this, and should not I spare Nineveh? Now remember, this is the Lord God speaking. He says, And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? What? Does this make sense? Uh, think about this. Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? I do well to be angry even unto death. Well, thou hast had pity on the gourd for which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, the great city, wherein more than sixscore thousand persons that cannot discern between right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? Shouldn't I spare them? I mean, there's a lot of people there and a lot of cattle. And a lot of them can't discern between their right hand and their left hand. Now, I don't know about you, but as I've read this story so many times in the past, you know what I've said to myself? What happened next? I mean, you can't finish a story like that. Jonah is in the middle of arguing with God. Jonah is in the middle of, of saying, I do well to be angry for this gourd, even to die. You tell me how Joseph died. You tell me how David died. You tell me how Solomon died. You tell me about Elijah and Elisha. I mean, well, I've read a lot of good stories up to this point. And I get to Jonah, and, and we conclude it with, there's a lot of people there who don't know between their right hand and left hand and their cattle. The end. Now, friends, if this is a movie, you know what I'm doing? I'm sitting there looking at Susie going, what? This makes no sense. How do we conclude a story like this talking about cattle? 
What happened to Jonah? We know that the city was spared. We know that God was gracious and long-suffering to the, to the people of Nineveh. But, but I ask this question, what happened to Jonah? Because he had an amazing story, did he not? He had a fascinating story. He had a story where there was much intrigue and excitement and drama and all these other aspects of his life. And, and we look at this and we say, okay, that was an amazing story. But again, I find myself saying this, what happened to him? The reality is we don't know. Any thoughts or ideas as to what happened to Jonah? Well, guess what they are? They're just assumptions and speculation. But we don't ever get to read about how Jonah made his heart right with God, that that Jonah began to realize, you know, my attitude wasn't right and my spirit wasn't right. We don't get to read about that. We don't get to read about further rebellion and, and maybe how God addressed that or dealt with that. We don't know what happened to Jonah. The best we can surmise is this. Last we knew, Jonah was still angry at God. Last we knew, Jonah was still rebellious in heart. Last we heard of him, his spirit was not at all what it was supposed to be. Now, this is just my opinion, okay? So take this at face value, but this is just my opinion. As you come to the final verse of Jonah's life, I find the ending to be disappointing. As you look at the final verse of Jonah's life, of what we know, of what we can say with certainty, I find it disappointing because there is nothing of substance, there is nothing of value or anything of worth recorded about his life. For all we know, for whatever his story was in the past, prior to what we have recorded, whatever his story was, you know, in addition to what we have recorded in this book, Whatever his story was up to this point, we don't know how it ended, but it does not seem to have ended too well. We just don't know. Now, what's the point in this? The point is a principle. The point is, is just a thought that I want us to think about, and that is this. How the story ends is important. And how the story ends is significant. Somebody may say, okay, I got that. You've said that a few times. And, and, and I understand what you're saying. The end is important. The end is significant. The end has some purpose, or at least it should. Now, why say that? Well, this morning I, I want us to think about an individual's life. Again, I want us to deal with the thought here. I want us to deal with the principle here, not the exact content of the passage. But again, just the principle and the thought here. I want us to think about this. Think about every individual who lives in this world. The fact is this. Every person has a story. 
Every life has a story. My life has a story. Your life has a story. There is not an individual alive today that their life does not have some kind of a context to it, some kind of a background to it, and some kind of a story to it. And I don't know if it's just me. I don't know if it's just kind of a a quirk about myself that, that maybe wouldn't be true of everyone, but something that I have enjoyed these last several years, sometimes more than others, but something that I have enjoyed over the years is getting to learn the stories of people. I enjoy hearing about where people were born. I enjoy hearing about the circumstances and the, and the setting and the context in which they were born. I have been amazed to hear the stories that people have said about their childhood or their early adult years. I, I've been amazed at what people have endured and they've lived through and what they have seen and what they have witnessed and what they have experienced. I have heard many stories over the last 15, 17 years that I personally find amazing. But of all the stories that I am aware of and of all the stories that I have heard and of all the stories I have listened to, you know which ones are my favorite? The ones that ended the way I wanted them to end. The ones that ended where you say, now that is how a story is supposed to end. Fifteen years ago, whenever my family moved here, I didn't know anybody from Adam or Eve. I I did not know anything about anyone's life. I didn't know anything about anyone's context. And I'm going to mention a few names in just a couple of moments. And, and, And please understand that as I mention these names, understand that I know that it was not the perfect story. I get it. I'm not ignorant of that. It's not lost on me that they were people with sin and issues and things of that nature. I get it. But whenever Susie and I came here and I didn't know anybody from anyone else and and it was just kind of a hodgepodge of a bunch of people I had never met, I I began to to get to know certain people and I began to 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 meet George Cox and began to to visit with him. And and as his wife passed away, you know, I I don't know what's going to happen here. I don't know what's going to take place. but, But I remember getting to go out to eat with Brother Cox on different occasions, and, and, and I would always get to pick up the bill. He was kind in letting me do that. And, and so Brother Cox and I, we would go out to eat, and we'd go visit, and I'd stop by his house and, and visit from time to time. And he was faithful to the church, and he was faithful to the house of God. And he invested in Nathan when Nathan was just a couple of years old. And, and here this man was who was in his 80s, and, and, and he had lost his wife, and he was a man who was grieving. But as I watched him recover from that, and as I watched him kind of put the pieces of his life back together, You know what I saw? I saw a man who eventually ended his story well. Faithful to the house of God. Now, could you sit here and say, oh, man, I could tell you some stories about Brother Cox. You know what? You might be able to, but you know what it would do? It would only enhance the bigger picture. It would only make the story that much more interesting and that much more exciting because at the end, here's the only thing I'm concerned about is how did it end? Because the ending is every bit as important as the beginning and the whole plot line. I remember moving here and there was Miss Opal McCathern. I thought she was 120 when we moved here. 
If you knew who Miss Opal was, I mean, short, hunched over, and, and literally looked aged. There were times because of the weather, I thought, that'll keep Miss Opal home. Miss Opal's not going to be here. Nope, Miss Opal, nope, she won't be here. And, and I'm telling you, every service, the side door would open, and she'd come hobbling through with an encouraging word to this new pastor who really had no idea what he was doing. And, and she was just so sweet, and she was just so kind, and she was so faithful until health just kept her from being able to, to be where she wanted to be and do what she wanted to do. I look at that, and I say, you know what? I don't know the whole story. I don't know how it began. I don't know all the twists and the turns. I don't know everything, but I do know this. I know how it ended, and I like how it ended. That was a good story. I think all of you know that Miss Fussell became very dear to our family. I was in the nursing home with her just a couple of days before she laid her head back and passed away and entered into the presence of the Lord. And, and I, I remember just a few days before she passed away that she was still arguing with me and she was still teasing with me and she was still giving me, you know, just kind of giving me fits. And, and, and I absolutely loved doing her funeral. You know why? Because she ended well. Probably one of the easiest funerals while being one of the most difficult funerals I've ever done because she ended well. can't help but think of Miss Jane. As I was putting this together this week, I, I was thinking about Miss Jane and the absolute generous encourager she was to us when we came here. Precious, kind. Somebody says, oh, you should not. I, I, listen, I, I saw that side of her. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> We spent enough time together. I knew she wasn't God's perfect little angel. But the last time she was here, you all know this, her mind has been robbed by the dementia. Her mind has been robbed by, by the aging process. But, but you know what I can point to and look at and say of, of Miss Jane? You know what? Until age took its toll and until the age began to steal the mind, you know what she was? She was faithful. And that's the right way to end the story. You know why those stories are so exciting? Because most stories, like most movies, are just flops. Most lives, like most stories. Somebody says, well, it sounds so negative. I'm just being honest with us. Most lives, most stories, they, they don't end the way you'd like them to end. I was listening to some people talk yesterday, and it was at the funeral home, and it was a couple of guys talking, and, and they were talking about this preacher, and, and they said, and I was just listening in and, and being nosy, to be honest with you, just to find out what they were saying, and, and as they were talking, they said, well, whatever happened to that preacher? And one of them said, I, I think he ended up getting divorced, and, and he moved away, and, and I don't know where he ended up. Kind of like finishing a story by saying there are a lot of people who can't discern between their right hand and their left hand and also much cattle. 
just kind of leaves you scratching your head saying, what happened? What took place? What, what, what is the final verse like? It's not that nobody knows what's happening in their life, but what I'm saying is this, is, is when it comes to that which is significant and that which is important, there are people sitting around scratching their head going, yeah, whatever happened to him? Yeah, I don't know whatever happened to him. Just kind of drifted off and just kind of did his own thing and, and they did their own thing and went their own direction and yeah, I, I don't know what happened to him. At that funeral yesterday, I found it interesting. Some folks came in whom I used to be their pastor. And if you were to say to me this morning, what happened to them? You know what I have to say? Yeah, I don't know. I've gone by there. I've tried to visit with them. I've tried to see if anything's wrong. I, I've tried to see what the offense is, and they won't tell me anything. You know, I mean, they, they, they won't share anything with me. I, I don't know what's going on there. You hear this person who passed away. You hear this person who has passed away. You hear this person who passed away. And, and over and over and over you hear the story. What happened to them? Or you hear the question, what happened to them? And, and, and the overall answer is this. I don't know. Can I just be honest and say from my perspective that that is a terrible final verse on a person's life? Where someone can just go away you don't really know if they ever got right with God. You don't really know if they ever served the Lord. You don't know if they ever really became the man or the woman they were supposed to be. It's kind of a, a terrible way to end the story. Because you realize not much of worth and not much of significance can be said about them. It's an awkward feeling to be standing over the casket of someone. And you've got nothing to say other than just general statements and somewhat kind remarks. And hopefully this scripture will speak to someone because I've really got nothing good to say about the person from the spiritual standpoint. You understand the thought of this that I'm trying to communicate? The end matters. The end is as important as the beginning. The end is as important as the middle. The end is so important because that's when you put the period or the exclamation point on the life that was lived or you put the question mark on the life that was lived. The end is important. How the story wraps up is important. And friends, if it is important for them, if it is important for them and everyone else, then I want to remind us that how our closing verse is written, how things come to a close for us, that is of utmost importance. Think about this, please, for just a moment. We're almost done, and I won't keep us here any longer. 
But I want us to think about our story for just a moment. Whatever our story is, you know how it began. You know the turns. You know the, 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 the twist. And, and you know how it all ended. But, but, but I want us to think about our spiritual story and our spiritual journey that we've been on. How wonderful would it be to be able to speak of the number of faithful years that you gave to the house of God? It would be wonderful, would it not? To be able to be that person that said, man, I was in church for 25 years. I was in church for 30 years. I was in church for 40 years. I was in church from the, from the time I was born. I was in church. Wouldn't it be wonderful if that was our story? It would be, unless the final verse was us kind of drifting. Us not being faithful. Us not being active. See, when it comes to faithfulness to the house of God, we don't just need a good story in the past. We need to finish strong, and we need to close well. And when that final verse is written, it needs to be said of us, you know what, from, from, from as long as I can remember to the day they died or until the day they didn't have the health and the strength to be faithful to the house of God, they were faithful. It's important. It is of utmost importance. It'd be great if in our story we could write of the years and have it said of the years that we taught Sunday school class. That we were involved in ministry. That this was our ministry at the church. That, that, that we took care of this and that we took care of this. And, and that was our little ministry at the church. Wouldn't that be a wonderful part of the story? It would be. Unless it ended with the person coasting. You know how the story needs to conclude? You know how it needs to wrap up? Still investing. Still investing. Still doing. Still trying to make a difference, whatever it may be. But I don't want to just sit on the sideline. It's important, not just what the story was here, but it's important how that last verse was written and what was recorded of me. Imagine for just a moment if you could look back over the course of your life and say, man, over the years God allowed me to give, and God allowed me to invest in missions, and God allowed me to, to give that special offering, and God allowed me to, to do this financially. Wouldn't that be wonderful? It would be fantastic unless it ends selfishly. You know what the beauty is? Is when you can finish the story by saying this, or having it said of us, they continued to give. They continued to give. They continued to give. Maybe not as much, maybe not at the same frequency, but they continued to do what they could. Do you understand how important this is? What if you could say of your story, I read, I studied, I prayed, I grew, I, I, I developed my spiritual walk. Isn't that a wonderful truth to consider? Of course it is. But it doesn't finish well if it stopped when we reach 70 or 75 or 80, whatever it is. You know what needs to be said of us? It needs to be said that as long as we were on this earth and as long as God gave us a, a sound mind and, and a clear thought process, we were continuing to grow. We were continuing to study. We were continuing to strive to be more like him because we understood the importance and the significance of it. 
who wants their life to end with a reference, basically or essentially, and also much cattle. It's a lousy way to end. Who wants their story to be ended with people scratching their heads saying, I don't know what happened to him. How the story ends is dependent upon us. Do we, do we understand this? How your story ends, that is dependent in large part on what you decide to do with your life. And how my story ends, it is dependent upon what I choose to do with the life God gives me. Now here's the, the, the thing, and, 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 and i just wrap it up with this. Here's what we've got to be mindful of, and that is the importance of working on the final verse today. Working on the final verse today. Why do I need to worry about that today? Because we don't know when an abrupt period may come to the life God gave us. Many of you are aware of this, but yesterday I'm sure thousands of people lined the streets in Stillwater, Oklahoma to do this simple homecoming parade before a football game took place. And what happened? Everyone there seemingly having a good time, enjoying the festivities, and what happens? A young lady who is drunk gets behind the wheel of a car, crashes through the scene, plows into the crowd, and four people were killed with many more injured. And you know what happened? Their lives came to a close immediately. Someone says, well, you're just trying to scare us again? No, that's not at all what I'm trying to do. I'm just saying this. Life can come to an end when we least expect it. I don't know when my life will come to an end. I don't know when your life will come to an end, which means this. I don't know when the story is going to close. I don't know when the last statement will be made. I don't know when that period will be placed. But I do know this. If I'm not trying to work on the final verse right now, there, there's a chance it won't end the way I'd like it to end. Our story in large part, is dependent upon what we choose to do with the life God gave us. I just want you to consider this question. Are you working on the final verse like you know you ought to be working on the final verse? If this is the final chapter, do we like how it ends? Do we like how it concludes? Or would we have to be honest this morning and say this, oh man, that's not how I want it to conclude for me. Today is the chance, if nothing else, today is the chance to say, you know what? That is an end to that chapter, but that is not the end of my story. That may be a part of the story, but that will not be what defines me when I'm gone. Are we living in such a way that if the end for us came today, the period was placed at the end of our life, would we be content with how the story was recorded? Or would it be a message of uncertainty and just a message of, of confusion and a message where people said, you know, I really don't know what was going on spiritually with that individual? Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, I pray that as we 
consider this thought and how Jonah's story ended. God, I pray that you'd help us to consider our own story. God, the faithful